Let's recap all of the action from Thursday in the NBA. There were seven games on. There were potential injuries that maybe are injuries that we're not sure are injuries to big name big men. Updates on other injuries. Oh, it's wild. Michael Bolton, what do you think? Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd, but my online gaming, gambling username is Keishon Butte. I'm also the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com, and you can find me on Twitter, as always, at redrock underscore bball, on TikTok, at redrock underscore bball, and on Instagram, at lockedonfantasybasketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free, and we are available to double bang on all platforms. So that means double bang it. Listen to the audio, watch the video, and if you are here on YouTube, thank you for giving me that big thumbs up. I know your thumbs are very, very precious to you, You've only got two of them, and thank you for giving me one of them. Ring the bell, hit the comments, hit the subscribe, bah, it's all there. Live trade deadline show is less than two weeks away. Go pre-thumb that, pre-bang it. Let's get to 1,000. I hope we're almost at 1,000. I think we're getting close. Let's talk about Thursday in the NBA. Can we get this show done quickly? Absolutely not, but we'll try anyway. I'll pretend like we're going to get it done quickly. What are we going to talk about? Well, I don't know how many of you saw this update because it hasn't been widely reported because I think it's bullshit, but I'm going to tell you about it anyway. If you were a member on Basketball Monster, a user over there alerted us to this. So we're not pretty interesting when I watched it. We put the update up there. It's been up there for about eight hours, nine hours or so um, on Desmond Bain. And again, I'm going to call bullshit because the Memphis Grizzlies two weeks ago put out a release and said Desmond Bain has a grade three ankle sprain and he will be reevaluated in six weeks. Two, two weeks ago. A grade three ankle sprain, if you're unaware, is classified as a complete tear of an ankle ligament. Complete tear. Not a partial tear. Complete tear. Doesn't mean it requires surgery, but it's a complete tear. It's a long process. And the usual recovery is, it's honestly, it's three months. It could be six months. If you're an elite athlete, you can probably come back a little bit earlier and you're going to be pretty hobbled. And that's why with this injury to Bain, it's like, but why is he going to play? There's no need for him to come back to play. It's a very serious injury. And it just doesn't make sense for him to be back. The report was on Grind City Media, I believe it was, from uh, Michael Wallace. I think it was Michael Wallace. Yeah, Michael Wallace, who said that Desmond Bain is working really hard and he is determined and aiming to cut his recovery time in half. In half. Which is three weeks. Which means one week to go. Three weeks. There is no way. I don't have any clarification this. I reached out to Jeff Stotts from In Street Clothes. I go, this is, this is bullshit, yeah? Like, what is this? He goes, yeah, like I've never seen anybody from a grade three come back in that time. It's It just doesn't happen. You don't come back. The earliest he had, I think, was 33 days. And Des Bain is trying to get back in 21. Six weeks was always incredibly optimistic to me. Incredibly. For a team going nowhere with a significant injury that has a long, long-term issues, that has a long-term problem if you don't fix it properly, it would be ridiculous. But I've got to report it to you. That's what this guy said. Cut the recovery time in half. Be back in three weeks. Which again, is one week from today. There's just no chance this happens. 
But I've got to tell you, so you, you do what you want with it. There, I, I just, I don't, I don't see how this happened. How would a team put out a reevaluation of six weeks for a bloke to beat that by three weeks for an injury that's usually, yeah, you know, general recovery is twelve weeks, and an on average NBA recovery is sixty-one days. It, it's, it just seems ludicrous to suggest. I am not making any. I, I do not think it is possible at all that Bain is back within a week. I don't think it's possible that he's back within six weeks. I don't think that he's coming back at all, honestly. Or if he does, it's for a really short time, unlimited minutes. But that is what happened. That is what the report was. And I don't know what you do with it. I think you treat it with skepticism. I think you look at it and go, hmm, did he misspeak? Did he say that he wants to cut like that they told him externally that it was a 12-week return and he wants to be back in six. I don't know. I honestly don't know. Because three weeks... Or the, or, sorry. The other part is, is they were lying and it wasn't a grade three. That's possible too. Because if it was a grade two, maybe you're back in three weeks. Like Franz Wagner sprained his angle. He was like two to three weeks out. This, this is a, That's a standard mild tweak, two to three weeks. Not a complete ligament tear which requires literally multiple months to return from. So they might have lied on the grade three evaluation. That is distinctly possible. But I want you to be aware of it. The Levine update says he's out at least one more week. And when Billy Donovan was asked about it, will he be back before the trade deadline? He said, I don't know. We already had him out at least that one week anyway. So let's it might, that might push out a little bit further. The update coming from Woj is that Ben Simmons might be back on Monday. Should you rush to add him? No. No, you shouldn't. Can you consider it? Yeah. Was he so, so good before a three-month layoff with a back surgery that you absolutely have to have it with the risk that it gets re-injured, with the risk that his minutes are limited as he returns? I don't think so. I don't think he was that good in that time. So I wouldn't drop everything to go and add Ben Simmons. But again, providing the information that he might be back on Monday. There was also a weird update on Evan Mobley, who was supposed to be out yeah, six to eight weeks with knee surgery. And now there's a report he might be back next week, which is well ahead of six to eight weeks, ahead of Darius Garland, who had a four-week timetable. What is going on with these guys? Why are they all coming back way too early? I forgot, NBA players actually hate playing basketball, and they're only out here just to steal the money. Um, so yeah, that narrative, stick that up your ass. I don't know. It, it always it always infuriates me that stuff, but yeah, that's the Moby up, Mobley update. Look, will he be back next week? I don't know. A lot of this stuff feels very pie in the sky. Oh yeah, yeah we're gonna be back, and, and I just don't believe it. And then when it did happen with Halliburton, well, it was very obviously the wrong decision. The other one which I did talk about earlier today was uh, Wes Unsell Jr. got uh, reassigned slash fired into the front office. He was a terrible coach. He's been a bad coach since he began, basically. Um, we'll talk about the Wizards in their first game under their new coach, Brian Keefe, I believe his name is. And we'll talk about that when we recap the Wizards game uh, later on. But that's the major news. Oh yeah, All-Star starters released. Not sure. We, honestly, not sure we need to care that much about it. It doesn't impact fantasy. The guys that you think are snubbed are, probably, are almost definitely going to make it as reserves. So it's not really that big of a deal. The starters are different to what I would have picked. I would have had Mitchell in over Lillard. I, I had Davis and Kawhi in over LeBron and Durant, but I don't, I don't actually care that much. It's, it's okay. Let's talk about waiver wire trends. 
who have been the most added and most dropped players over the last 24 hours. So much for this show being fast. The most added player is TJ McConnell, followed by Andrew Nempard, plus 24 and plus 15%. Because Halliburton's out and because the Pacers have a back-to-back, they are smart ads. Marvin Bagley was up 7%. We'll talk about him a little bit later. Not sure we needed to go that hard there. Nick Richards up 7%. Yes. As soon as someone scores 20 points, everyone's like, oh, this this man, Nick. How do I, how do I, Nick, Nick Richard? Never heard, never heard of him before. That feels like the reaction I get sometimes when the man's been starting for two and a half months. Uh, PJ Washington up 5%. Don't know about that one. And Benedict Matherin up 5%. Also, not a priority ad, but the schedule does make him have a little bit of value there. The most dropped players, number one, is your man, the roller coaster, Lou Dort. Yeah, drop him. Stream him back in. Drop him. Stream him back in. Speaking of dropping, Dwarp Wreath down 11%. Played 12 minutes last game. You use him if Aiton is out. The Cockroach down 9%. Mason Plumley, totally reasonable. Under 20 the last two games. The Cashier, Xavier Tillman, down 7%. Under 20 the last two games. Zach Collins, down 6%. I believe he's been under 20 the last two games as well. And there is a chance that Wembenyama plays the back-to-back. By the way, Wemby not listed on the injury report for Friday, so we'll play that one. And maybe he sits Saturday, maybe he doesn't. And the other one is Asar Thompson down 6%. These are all sort of hit and hope type scenarios that haven't worked out particularly well recently and people have moved on. And that is absolutely reasonable and totally justified. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Our partners over at eBay Motors have teamed up with me all season to help look through the waiver wire for fantasy picks that might be perfect fits or guaranteed fits on your roster. Who are this week's eBay's guaranteed fit fantasy picks of the week? I don't know how much eBay is a big fan of Lil John, but yeah, John Concha is starting. He's playing 26 to 28 minutes a night. He randomly blocks shots or he gets assists or he gets a steal or he gets assists. I said that again, or he rebounds or he scores and he's doing enough. And while that team is banged up and Desmond Bain is trying to uh, be a modern miracle, modern medicine miracle, Conchar's got some value. Is he going to blow us away? <laughs> Absolutely not. But he is in that mix to provide some short-term value, especially for slightly deeper leagues as well. So is that going to win your championship? Well, every little category, every little stat that you get adds up to it. And Conchar, I think, is in a pretty good spot to help you with that. And being a perfect fit is the same with your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure that your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever it is that your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber and not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to US customers, eligible items only, and... Exclusions apply. Okay, so they're the games. Yep, that's how that works. Now we need to have a look at the um, the games. Well, that's, that's not the games. That's the bits before the games. This is the games. First one, there was a lineup change we've got to mention. Uh, Patrick Beverly was a starter because um, the thick hogsman, Tobias Harris, was out. So that was the starting lineup change there for the Philadelphia 76ers. If you look at this game here, um, what do we take out of it? Well, a lot of the early games, all of the games in general were blowouts. It was only a 12-point margin, but but it was a blowout. Let's just quickly talk about Joel Embiid. He suffered a pretty heavy fall early in the game. He was limping, holding his knee, went to the bench, didn't miss time, but then left the game early with three minutes to go where it was a blowout um, and didn't return. 31-7 and seven in 31 minutes. Their next game is against Jokic and the Nuggets in Denver. We will see whether Embiid is available. 
Paul Reed played 17 minutes. He had seven and six with two steals. The man continues to do like interesting stuff. And you'll say, Josh, that's shit house. Okay. In the last two weeks, he's 189th. Again, is that shit house? Sure. But he's playing 15 minutes a night. This is why, again, every time there's a bump in minutes for Reed, we get a little bit interested. With no um, Toby Harris, Pat Beverly started and he had four points in 19 minutes. Well, that's a fart. Batum had 10 points in 22 and Ubre again stunk four points in his 22 minutes. And you know what I'm going to say about Kelly? Get that garbage out of here! I said this the other day. I'll say it again in case you didn't hear. It's the perfect example of someone who puts up 20 points per game on a team that's bad and he's allowed to do whatever he wants. And then people go, yeah, but look, Josh, he had 20 points a game playing for the Hornets last season. Cool. Bad team, no ball, no bridges, moves to a good team and he's shit. And... That's that's one of those things that you need to... And we're going to talk about that later on when we talk about a certain someone who may have left that same former team and now has moved to a good team as well. Uh, Ubre was... Look, he had three blocks. That, yeah, cool. Don't care. He played 22 minutes and we don't need to roster him in 12s. Tyrese Maxey had 22 points, but not a lot else going on there. And he only played the 29 minutes. That's how you know this was a blowout. I said it doesn't look like a blowout, but it's a Nick Nurse coach team and the starters didn't play 30 minutes. Look, that's pretty obvious that it was a blowout. Miles Turner, we're a little bit worried. What's going to happen to Turner with Siakam arriving? Well, I guess Halliburton being out helps, but man, he's killing it. 20 and 9, three threes, two blocks, huge game. Siakam, triple double. 26, 13, and 10. It's one of those ones that is good. It's a triple, triple doubles are always good. They're the best thing. Makes you the best player, obviously. But one three, no steals, no blocks, bad free throws. Overall, the category value is not quite as high as you think. It's still good, obviously. It's just not quite as high as you think. Um, 7 of 10 from the lines, a little hurtful. 29 minutes from Andy Nembhard. That's a really good game. 19, 2 and 8, triple one. They've got a pretty solid schedule coming up. I don't mind him as a stream with um, Halliburton out. Well, McConnell played 24 minutes and again, did enough as well. 8, 4, and 5 with two steals. Matherin had 13, 5, and 4. But at this point, until things change, he's just not good enough as a category league player. And he's not good enough as a points league player. You do not have to roster him. You stream him in. Heald had 11, 3, and 2, which is not particularly good. It's all right. I think he is worth a hold definitely over a Matherin. While Neesmith had been struggling, so it's good to see him with a 16 and 8 game with three threes. The thing with Aaron Neesmith is a lot of the good games come on shooting that is just un- unrealistic. Like 75% shooting got us here. Cool. Like, am I going to rely upon that? Because I shouldn't. And we saw what happens when it doesn't exist. Everything's very empty. But I do think he probably should be on a 12-team roster. While Sticks should not be. Get that garbage out of here. Six points in nine minutes and Isaiah Jackson played five. Just hard to get enough value in those backup minutes, I believe. Let us go on to the, um, the second game of the day. It was the Utah Jazz against the newly head-coached team, the Washington Wizards. The Jazz win 123-108. And I'm going to be honest with you, not really sure what to tell you about the Jazz here. I'll tell you one thing. John Collins played 33 minutes, had 22 and 16, and that looks awesome. It does. He shot 73% from the field, which is also awesome. He's the 65th ranked player over the last two weeks in 24 minutes, which is also awesome. But the minutes here pushed up because Walker Kessler had uh, five fouls in 15 minutes. I find it really hard to say I'm going to trust John Collins to be a top 70 player in 24 minutes a night because he, he, he's not. I, I know he actually is because he is at the moment, but he's also not. Like that is just not a realistic expectation. You can have John Collins on your team for sure. But that minute split uncertainty with him and Kessler makes him a tough must-hold guy. He's just not a must-hold guy. He is now because he's rolling, but... Markinen bounced back with a 29 and 7, 5 assists, 2 steals, 6 dribbles game. And Olenek also had to step up with Kessler in foul trouble. He had 19 and 4 and shot 73 as well. The question comes into what the hell happened to the guards? 
because Colin Sexton was running for a real period of time of being unbelievable in 24 minutes. We're like, okay, this probably can't hold in 24 minutes. Usage is high, efficiency is high. How does he keep doing it? And then he started getting 32. And all right, now that is more realistic. Get 32 and nine, we can keep doing this. So of course he had 11 points in 17 minutes here. Did he play poorly? I like, I didn't think he was particularly terrible. 11, three and six, he shot poorly, 36%. But I don't know. Look, what does it mean? He had 33 usage as a plus two. I guess part of it is Keontae George came in and was not good from a shooting perspective. He shot 17%, but the team actually cooked when Keontae George was in there. So George was a plus 13, which is like the third highest mark on the team. He had five, four, and seven. So they just rolled with him. That's what I mean about this rotation where you got Dunn, Clarkson, Sexton, George, is that Will Hardy can sort of just mix and match as he pleases. That's why there's no very clear pathway here for George to be a 30 guy every night. Even though he played 31 minutes here, this the speaker, I just can't look at that and say, well, they're just going to allow him to do this every single night. I don't think this is a changing of the guard. Like People will posit sort of different theories. Oh, are they doing that to clear it out because they're going to trade Sexton and give George these minutes? I don't think so. I think it's honestly just a situation where George was in, the team was cooking, so they just left him in there. That's how it, because not, again, not like George was dominating with hot shooting or anything. Um, Simone Fontecchio had 10 points in 21 minutes with seven rebounds. Nice 14-team league guy. And Clarko had 19, three and eight. Good good to see him bounce back. Chris Dunn didn't do a huge amount here. 4.3 assists and a block for the Wizards. Let's. What do we think about the impact of the new coach? Really hard to tell after one day, obviously. But let's get something out of the way. Was Jordan Poole good? Like, yes, maybe. Like, I think he was better. 28 minutes, 18, 2 and 2, two steals, two blocks, and two threes, 50% shooting. Honestly, what more could I ask for? Well, I could ask for a lot more, but that's a good sign. Someone asked me, like, well, yeah, what do we do now? What do you do with Poole? And I go, well, the new coach, I don't think it can get worse. And early returns, one game, suggests it didn't get worse. It still doesn't mean there's going to be a wild change. Is Poole going to be getting two steals and two blocks? No. Is he going to shoot 50%? Probably definitely not as well. And he still only played 28 minutes. He did have five fouls, though. So I'm holding out a little bit of hope that things switch a little bit for Paul. We saw extended minutes, even in the blowout, to Tyus Jones. He had 12, 6, and 14, and 34 minutes as well for Kuzma, who had 26, 6, and 5. And one thing where Zonsel would do is that he just would decide that, oh, we're just not going to play the guys. We're just not going to play the starters. And they can all end on 28 minutes when the game was sort of 10, 15 points away. And Keith, in this game, at least didn't do that. Avdia was great last game. He fell back here, but 13-6-5, triple one, totally reasonable for 12s. Let's talk about the centers because there, again, a lot of debate about what are you doing with Marvin Bagley. Well, we are, I think we've got a relatively clear idea here. Daniel Gafford played 31 minutes. Marvin Bagley played 16. Gafford had 13-9 and nine with four blocks and 86%. Very clear. He is locked in as the starter. He has done this two of the three games that him and Bagley have played, and the other one is one that he fouled out. Very clear. Very clear. Um, could he get traded? Sure. But is Bagley cutting into his playing time? No. And we wanted to watch that. And I think we know that. Bagley played 16 minutes, had 14 points. So you go, all right, that's pretty good. All right, I love that. Took 80% shooting. He took nine free throws and had 14 and three. And he Bagleyed. Zero threes, zero steals, zero blocks. That is what Marvin Bagley does. Marvin Bagley needs 25 minutes a night, I believe, to be a 12-team league guy. Yet every, basically every 12-team league that is active at the moment has added him. He's at 88% on our advanced roster number. And I get it because the production last game when Gafford fouled out, but it was because Gafford fouled out. I had an element of doubt, like a 5% element of doubt, but I think that doubt's squashed now. 
And I get it. We're two weeks away. You can hold Bagley through the deadline if you like in case there is a trade. But I'm like 10% that's going to work out. One thing I know is they're just not going to replace Gafford with Bagley. They're just not going to do that. Bilal Kulabali played 29 minutes, two points, two assists and three steals. Missed all five of his shots. The thing with Bilal as a stash guy is that he's already got the minutes. The minutes aren't really a problem. He gets 26 to 30 already. It's that he just never does anything usage-wise. The shooting's a bit iffy. So he would need to be, yeah, guys to move out of the way, but also for him to be a very different player. And I'm not, I'm not sure he's going to be that very different player. So I'm not, like, again, I don't really see any huge standout stash guys that aren't already rostered at this point um, for trade deadline. Bilal might have that value, but I think that even if someone got traded and he moved into a starting 31-minute role, he'd be, like, better Isaac Okoro. And that's not a particularly exciting fantasy player. You might disagree, and that's cool too. Today's episode is brought to you by Grammarly. For over 10 years, and I've been using Grammarly, I reckon, for six or seven years, Grammarly has been powered by AI technology. You can use it, and you can trust it across all the places that you write the most. Microsoft Word, yes. Google Docs, yes. Straight into your browser, yes, it works there as well. A standalone app, yes. On your phone even, yes. Grammarly does so many things. Spell check, easy. Grammar check, love it. Makes your sentences easier to read, more succinct. Helps you with advanced grammatical um, concepts. Run on sentences, passive voice. It also can help you generate ideas. So you can go in there and find something that you wanted to rewrite or say, oh, how about, you know, what's an idea that I can brainstorm to um, elevate this topic that I'm talking about? And they can go in and give you some ideas and help you out. So it does multiple different things. The best part about Grammarly is that it's free to use. So you can be more productive at work. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast and you can download that for free today. That is G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y.com slash slash podcast. Okay. Let's get into the... That's two games down. So much for a quick one. Let's talk about the... Oh, that's the wrong button, Joshua. What was that? Hit the wrong one. Hmm, I hate when I do that. Let's go back and try it again. That's because I hit the wrong game. No, I hit the right button. I had the wrong game up. Uh, Boston and the Miami Heat. And now I also realize... Oh, it's, it's all a shambles. It's all a shambles. I forgot to tell you the lineup changes. Oh, no. Puzingis moved into the starting lineup with Al Horford going to the bench. And Terry Rogier moved into the starting lineup for the Heat, which was pretty expected, while Josh Richardson moved to the bench. Let's go back and pretend all those mistakes didn't happen. But Boston absolutely stinked on. That's not a real term, but I'm going to make it one. They smashed the Heat. Embarrassing stuff. 143-108. Culture in tatters. Miami's two, last two games, oof, bad. Let's talk about Boston. Let's talk about the big news. Let's talk about Porzingis because he sprained his ankle. And immediately, you hear something about Porzingis being injured, and it's, it's doom and gloom. Oh, no. Oh, no. My team is cooked. How long out? Who's the must-ads? We go grabbing Cornet. All right. I know it's Porzingis. He's got a history. The big fella just waltzes back out. No boot, no eye, sits on the bench, jokes around, walks around. And he says after the game, yeah, I was actually fine to come back in. They never actually even ruled him out for this game. Now, I am not going to sit here and tell you that Athletes tell the truth about injuries. In fact, I'll tell you the exact opposite. So I expect a game or two at least here for Porzingis, but I feel relatively confident that we've escaped a significant and serious injury. Relatively confident. 
I don't think that he'd be out here mucking around, shadow boxing Derek White on the bench. No ice, no nothing on his ankle if he was going to be um, re-evaluating in six weeks for a grand three ankle sprain. I don't think that's possible. He might miss a game. He might miss two, but I think we avoided something serious, which is great. The ad would be Al Horford. It wouldn't be Cornette because I just don't. I think Cornette needs two guys out to be a 12-team league player. Otherwise, look, what do we talk about here? Jalen Brown played 27 minutes because it was an ass-kicking. 18-4-5. Holiday, 17-5-5. Maximum Derek, 15-6-6 with two blocks. Horford, 8-7-6. Cornette had 12-5, which is cool. But again, it's a 143-108 to final score. What do we take out of that? Not a lot. In fact, you know, no, I'm not even going to harp on this anymore because I just don't need to. The Pozinga stuff's the only stuff we need to talk about. What we do need to talk about is Miami. Because Terry Rozier started. He played only 29 minutes. 7-2-3 on 30% shooting. He was um, a horrible minus 28. He shot poorly and he had 16 usage. In yesterday's pregame show, someone asked me a rather benign question. Josh, who has the most potential assists in the NBA? Someone had a look at it. All right, and the answer was Tyrese Halliburton, 20 potential assists per game. Of course, it's the guy who just throws the most passes and he could have just way more assists. And there's other stats on that page. It was like passes made, passes received. So if you, if you watch that pregame show, you'll know what I'm going to say. And you'll also know what I'm going to say because I'm talking about Terry Rogier. But um, the most passes thrown was Nikola Jokic per game. The most passes in the entire league received per game was Terry Rogier. And I just found that by accident went, oh, oh no, that is, that is absolutely terrifying for where his value lies. If they were just giving him the ball nonstop in Charlotte, that is not going to happen in Miami. Not a chance. Now, we had already dropped his value down, assist rate down, um, usage down, but I don't think we went far enough. I'm not, not to say that these last two games are indicative of everything. But he was, there was never going to be a situation where he was given the ball as much as he was in Charlotte. Never going to happen. 15 usage here. The poor shooting will improve. And I don't... Uh, let me phrase it this way. There is zero chance that Rogier is going to be a top 50 player the rest of the season. I feel really confident in that. I would say there's a chance he's not even a top 100 player the rest of the season. And I'll go even further. I'll go even further. I will not rule out... I'm not saying this will happen. I will not rule out that... In three weeks' time, we are saying, I think we need to move on from Terry Rogier. I'm not going to rule that out. Just be aware. And that ties back into the Ubre. You're playing on a team that's going nowhere. You're getting force-fed the ball a lot. They're losing a lot. Is that because they're force-feeding you the ball? I don't know. I don't know. But now you're on a good team. What are you going to do? How are you going to get value without having the ball in your hands more than anybody? And the answer, I think, is you probably don't. So that is the worry here, isn't it? That is the real worry. This one might be one of the biggest value slices ever. Thank God I've been dropping sell high tags on him for a while. Jim Butler had 17, 3 and 4 with 2. Also, I could be completely overreacting. He's going to be fine, play 35 minutes a night, average 18, 3 and 6. He could. But I would say the chances of that now are significantly lower than they were two days ago. Butler was all right. Hero was all right. 19, 3 and 6. Highsmith started again over Caleb Martin. 14 points with four threes. That's okay, but it's still just deep league stuff. I think we do have to jack Duncan Robinson. Get that garbage out of here. 20 minutes, five points. He needs those guys out, obviously. Caleb Martin's just a 14-teamer. Eight, three, and two. And then we'll see what happens when Jaime Jaquez returns. Does he just slide straight back in and start for Highsmith? Does he come off the bench? 
Does he get 30 minutes? I don't think he's going to be really much of a 12-team league guy either, to be honest, when he returns. Until someone gets hurt, which of course will happen. Bam had 19-5-2, and they just they just weren't good. So they've got some stuff to try and figure out. Some stuff to try and figure out. I would say that is probably the easiest way of, um, of phrasing that. The next game was also a blowout. You already got a sneak peek at what it is. It is the Knicks and the Nuggets. The Knicks just win this so, so easily, 122-84. Um, Jokic got poked in the eye. Looked pretty bad. He was able to come back in. He said it was fine. And then after the game, he said, yeah, it's actually pretty... It's worse now. So I think he's going to be okay for Saturday. But, you know, we need to watch it. If he is out, DeAndre Jordan would become your stream. KCP just stunk five points with one three and no other stats. My stance on him remains firm. He's a steals and three streamer. That is it. The headmaster had nine points with seven assists on 27%, Jamal Murray, while Maga Porter Jr. also struggled. He has been a wild roller coaster. Even with this game, five and six in 22 minutes, he's 77th over the last two weeks. But before that, he was like 240th or something. It's just wild up and downs. Good game from um, Gordon, who had 12 and five, and Jokic had still 31 and 11. They were just completely off. This is the final game of their road trip. I think they were just rooted, to be fair. So not much else going on there. Reggie Jackson also stunk. For the Knicks, easy stuff. The sell high on OG Ananobi is flying. 26 in 29 minutes, six steals. We love that all this stuff has bumped up significantly. He was an incredible plus 38. He's been unbelievable for this team. His value has been huge, and he's bringing big defensive stats. I still think it's a sell high. Jalen Brunson, a lot of Knicks fans angry that he got snubbed for the all-star starter spot. I did my, I did my first pass at teams three weeks ago, like basically New Year. And I actually didn't have Jalen Brunson in my team, right? I had Derek White in over him. And now I wouldn't have I wouldn't have it the same. I would have Brunson in the team. But I also wouldn't have Brunson starting. Everyone's up in arms about Damian Lillard being a starter for the All-Star game. I think people are saying, well, Lillard is worse than what he used to be, which is true. And Brunson is probably improved from last season, which is true. That doesn't necessarily mean Brunson's been just dominatingly better than him. Brunson has all a lot of his all well, basically his per game numbers. Well, his scoring is higher, but his rebounds and assists are lower. He plays more minutes, but all the impact stats favor Dame. On off net rating, LeBron, Darko, EPM they all favor Lillard. I'm not saying that's the be all and end all, at all, but there's some narrative stuff that goes around Lillard at the moment. There's a lot of negativity towards him, a lot of positivity towards Brunson. I would have had Mitchell starting. That's what I would have had. So I wouldn't have had either of those guys. I think at the, I would have, if I'm doing my team right now, that both Lillard and Brunson are on my, would be in my reserve group without any question. Now, again, changed my mind. Able to look at things and, and adjust how I had it. But I don't think it's anything egregious to suggest that Brunson was very, very clearly the second best guard in the East. I don't think that is true. If he had have been named as the starter, I wouldn't have been upset about it. But I don't think that's, that it's this egregious snub where players and fans are snubbing the biggest market in the entire literal world. I just I just don't think it's that clear. And Knicks fans, I'm sure you're going to fight me. Watch the game, mate. People love an argument. Mate, you, if you just watched every Knicks game, you'd know. Yeah, if I watched every Knicks game, you know what I wouldn't do? Be able to watch every other team and every other player. So if you are just focusing entirely on the Knicks, then you can't actually comment on what the other players are doing because you haven't watched them. That's fair. Unless you've got like quicksilver ability to slow down time. Can even slow down time or he just moves fast and it makes it look like he can slow down time. Comic book stuff aside, if you're watching every second of every Knicks game, that means you don't know about the other teams and the other players to anywhere near the same degree. 
So you can't make that assessment. I can't tell you I've sit, sat here and watched every second of the Knicks because I haven't. Literally impossible. But I think in the end, it's not, it's not egregious. And I'm sure that'll be controversial too. DiVincenzo had 16-3-6. This guy's ability to produce numbers in limited minutes has been really strong this season. He remains a 12-teamer. Randall, this, again, this is how much of a blowout. Randall played 30 minutes. 17-7-8 for Julius, while Jericho Sims had 2-8, not exciting. Achua had 2-10, not exciting. We don't need either of those guys on a 12-team roster while Hartenstein is out, and we definitely don't need Josh Hart on a roster. Get that garbage out of here! 4-7 with a steal and a block, and let's see what they do. Because, uh, again, my man, Grimey, 19 points, 23 minutes, very aggressive with his shot, hit them. He's not going to achieve value on this team, but if he does move and a Bruce Brown arrives, I am very, very much keeping an eye on my man, Quentin. On to the next game, the Minnesota Timberwolves up against your Brooklyn Nets. Mike Conley returned from his illness, so that meant that Nikhil Alexander-Walker, uh, he moved onto the bench. Not really, uh, not really a big surprise there. So Alexander, I realized that that graphic was all screwed up, so I do apologize for that there as well. Um, let's move into looking at the game. The Wolves win it. Close one, 96-94, the final score. Towns had a 27-10. and Conley, 10-2-4 with two steals. Good game from him. Not so good from Goose. 24 points is good, but again, we need to look past that. 35% on 23 attempts is really hurtful. One rebound is bad. Three assists is below average. Again, the slump from Edwards continues. There is a potential buy low still in effect here. And Jaden McDaniels, the minutes, there is value in minutes. There is value in the stability of a role, which he has, 33 minutes. But nine and four, it's not enough for me to care about. It's not enough for him to be a 12-team league player. And the same goes with the Wizard of Nas, Nas Reed, who's rostered everywhere. For a guy that's not even a top 130 player this season, his roster percentages are insane. Five and four, 23 minutes, 29%. He had a block. We know he can do good stuff. It happens too infrequently, and a lot of it is just waiting for an injury. So I don't mind a hold, but it's just not enough for me to be looking at him as this guy that we just have to roster under every circumstance. For the Nets, all right, let's talk about Cam Thomas. Because I know you think that I hate Cam Thomas. I don't like his style of basketball, well aware. But I'm going to tell you something about Cam Thomas here. thought he was pretty good. 25 points, 28 minutes, 6 rebounds, 2 steals, tried hard on defense, got to the line 10 times, hit all of them. And this has been some of somewhat of the case all season, but Nets beat reporters. Danish backhand this man like I have never seen anyone. Every single game. Oh, why isn't Thomas in? Cam Thomas needs to start. This team needs Cam Thomas. What about Cam Thomas? Hmm, this team needs an injection of Cam Thomas. It's all I hear all day. But it was louder today. Louder. And it was like, well, Thomas just needs to start. He needs to replace Dinwiddie. He needs to replace um, Cam Johnson. They need to put him and Ben Simmons into the starting lineup and take Finney Smith and Dinwiddie out. He needs to be in there. And to be honest, I can see him, like him and Dinwiddie together, bad combo. Him and Simmons together, if Simmons is actually healthy, I think actually works okay. And I would not be shocked to see Cam Thomas enter the starting lineup again soon. Now, understand that he's on a bit of a streak in terms of some of his shooting numbers here, Cam, which is elevating his, his play. But don't be shocked if we get 30 usage Cam Thomas on 40% shooting and that doesn't provide you much. But again, I will be as objective as I try. I try to be as objective as possible. Over the recent games, he has bumped his usage down. His shot attempts have come down. He's not being as ridiculous. There are some still stupid moments in his game, but it has pulled back from where it was earlier in the season and that is leading to better production. 
So it's looking a little better for him. Still not loving it, but looking better. Claxton had 16 and 11. He's playing 39 minutes. Jacques Vaughan would just... Remember, he just wouldn't give him more than 30 a game for a period. Now he's just pumping him into him. 16, 11, and 4. Two steals, two blocks. Great. Bridges hit, missed some bad free throws at the end. Um, 21, uh, three assists, two steals, 60% from the line. He's never going to be that top 20 guy. And Cam Johnson, 22 minutes. Jack Armstrong. Get that garbage out of here. 22 minutes, 5, 4, and 3. The fact that he just either can't shoot anymore and just can't get minutes is pretty wild. Now, everything can change. Simmons coming back might change things again. But at the moment, I'm not sure we need to hold. While Dinwiddie went back to 30 minutes. He's just impossible to predict. 14, 2, and 2. But that is the perfect illustration of why he's not a good category league player. 14, 2, and 2 is not a good line. He shot 50%. Cool. One of one from the line. No steals, no blocks. So if you dropped him, don't feel bad. He is a stream guy to me and not a must-roster player. While uh, Finney Smith played 36 minutes, and that is going to decline almost assuredly once Ben Simmons returns. On to the next one, the Sacramento Kings and the Golden State Warriors. Big, big game, big win in the end uh, to the Kings who get it 134-133 over the Warriors because, and only because, of your man, my man, the pencil, Harrison Barnes. Barnesy! 40 minutes for the big fella. 39 points. He hits seven threes. And then imagine, imagine losing a game because Harrison Barnes the man who blocks one shot a season, blocks you, which is what happened. He had two steals. He had a block. He shot 58% from the field. This is the hottest streak of all hot streaks that I've seen. Sure, if you had him, it would be great. But also remember, he's outside the top 200 for the season. You can stream him in if you think this is going to hold. It won't because it literally wouldn't hold for anybody. But by all means, have a crack. Sabonis had 18, 8, and 13. Darren Fox reversed some of his poor form with 29 points on good shooting and hit all eight of his free throws. And even Fanta Pants was good. Kevin Herter had 12 and 10 with three steals and three threes. Nice little hot streak running for him. Fine to stream. When he's hot, you stream him. When he's not, you drop him. Because both Barnes and Herter were able to be good, that meant that Leaky Monk was not. Four points in 19 minutes on 40% shooting. He is in a huge, huge dip. Outside the top 200 over the last two weeks. I do think that there is a hold here for Monk, but... We'll see how long we give it. Well, Keegan Murray was just like, fine. He's better than fine. 14 and 6, two threes, one steal, two blocks. The Warriors. Let's just jack off a couple of blokes first. Brandon Pajemski. Get that garbage out of here. Seven points in 27 minutes. Still like him, just not enough to do. Trace Jackson Davis. Get that garbage out of here. Zero minutes. Watch for trades, see if anything opens up. While the bucket, John Kaminga, 31 in 30 minutes. Now, he didn't do very much there. He's on an absolute roll in terms of efficiency. 63 from the field, 83 from the line. Historically, he's never been this guy, but he is at the moment. But the worry there is that if that dries up, which it could, it could. He's also, by the way, 17th over the last two weeks per game. That stuff could all dry up. He doesn't have the backing of other stuff to hold him up. Three points, three rebounds. But the efficiency is killing. The minutes are great. They're better off the bench. And he's playing well. The thing I would watch here is Draymond starting. He played 31 off the bench. They really struggled when he wasn't out there. He had 5, 4, and 11 with three steals and a block. He missed all three of his shots, but that is a must-roster player. As for Dario Saric, the numbers are good. 14, 4, and 5 in 20 minutes. I don't think that he keeps starting, and that would likely move him either to the starting. Well, he won't start at the four. He'll either probably move to the center, starting center, or backup center. Harder to look at him outside of a 12-team or outside of a 14-team scenario. Clay, yeah, 16, 0, and 1, not... Great, but the defensive stats are good. And Curry was it was pretty good. 33-6 and six with six dribbles. 
Let's talk Wiggins because he played 31 minutes. He had 17, 4, and 4. He only took eight shots, but he's playing better. If you want to have a level of faith that Wiggins is maybe rediscovering some of his old form, which is entirely possible, he could do that. Go and have a crack. Like, you can go and add him. It's all about, like, let's see. All right, he's putting together a stronger stretch of games. He's playing better with Draymond in the, in the lineup. And, well, I think that well, that's obviously going to continue for the short term at least. So, if you wanted to have a crack and, and add Wiggins add him back off the wire. Like, again, he is still, like Barnes, like, with a shit number, like, outside the top 300 for the season. But it's 126th over the last two weeks. It's stepping forward. If you wanted to go grab, go grab. It, it is moving forward. Like, I'd rather have Wiggins than Sharovich at the moment than, obviously, than Pajemski or Jackson Davis. That's just transitioning that direction. Uh, I'd, I'd have Kaminga over all of those guys. But we're still waiting to see exactly how it all shakes out. It is a little bit rocky still, I think. All right. Let's do the final game of the day. The Bulls and the Lakers. Looked like the Lakers were blowing them out. The Bulls kept it tight, so all the starters basically got to stay stay in the entire game. Well, not the entire game, but you know what I mean, to try and get those um, get those extra stats in. There was one change to the lineup in this one. LeBron returned from his one-game absence, and that meant that Rui Hachimura moved to the bench, rightfully so. Um, and then, yeah. Let's talk about the game. The Bulls, 132. The Lakers, 141. The final score. DeMar DeRozan, 41 minutes, 32, 2 and 10, two steals and a block, elite field goals, elite free throws. Great. We haven't had one of these huge DeMar games for a while. That's an awesome game. Vooch was pretty solid. Did he take any free throws? No. Of course he didn't. 20 and 8 with two threes on 75%. Someone left a comment the other day, said, Josh, why do you treat it like it's a huge negative if someone doesn't take a free throw? It doesn't even matter for fantasy. That's not what I mean when I talk about whether someone took a free throw. Um... Yeah, you're right. It's completely neutral whether someone like Aiton or Vooch, who are really the only two guys that I talk about, about not drawing free throws. Um, like it's, you're right. It's neutral for fantasy. It's more about what they actually do. Like the big men, your, your, your good players get to the line. And these guys never get to the line, like ever. And it's really like a detriment to their overall production and performance in a game. It's not about... And, looking, and they are like solid shooters. So if they got to the line, it would actually help their fantasy game. It doesn't hurt that they don't get there. It just means that they're taking stuff off the table. So, yeah, Vooch, good scoring, no free throws. Let's talk about the Rabbit Hunter. 35 minutes, Caruso, 17, 4, and 6, two steals, two blocks, three threes. Please. I don't want to have to be in a situation where I'm going, well, you know who the stream of the day is today? It's Alex Caruso. Just add him. What are we waiting for? Kobe White was all right, 43 minutes, 25 and 7. He's able to handle a gigantic load at the moment, Giggity. Um, and he's putting up pretty strong numbers, while Desumu is also playing really well. And I think that you can look to him as at least a short-term 12-team streamer. I don't feel super confident with it, but 18 points, two steals, a block, two threes, 55%. Looks looks much better. And Pat Williams, yeah, I just, I just don't know about this guy. Six points, 22% shooting. Richie Benno would be happy, nobody else. Two blocks there, yeah, he should have. So we don't worry too much about that one. On the Lakers side, LeBron, first game back, 36 minutes, 25, 4, and 12. We love it. Bit of an, an off day for Davis, especially with the free throws. 22-11-6 on 40% from the line. He didn't do much defensively, just not a strong game. He's a little bit down at the moment, 18th over the last two weeks. What I love to see here is that both D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves put together big games at the same time. Now, it does help when you play the Bulls, but Reeves had 20 points with eight assists on 78% shooting. Well, D'Lo is on one of the biggest heating heater streaks of all time. He's 14th over the last two weeks. 29 points in 38 minutes with eight threes, four assists, 56%. Remember, this guy was playing like 18 minutes a night. He was playing 24 minutes a night as a starter, and everything has flipped. I don't know if he's going to stay on this team or not. I would absolutely be trying to flip him, though. 
I, I do believe he gets traded, but he is dominating at the moment. It's, it's ridiculous how good he is. Torian Prince started. He had 14 with four threes and two steals, which is fine. But I do want to talk a little bit here about Jared Vanderbilt Bar. What's encouraging is he closed the game. He played 27 minutes. He had 17 points, three steals, a block, 73%. I wouldn't say that Jared is a must-add player. But I would say that we're in the discussion where it's like, hmm, this might make sense on my team. He's getting healthier. They're putting him in better positions and more minutes. It, I guess it helps that Cam Reddish was out because Pockets loves Cam Reddish. But Vanderbilt is just playing better. He's very clearly better than Rui Hachimura, in my opinion. I know plenty of you will disagree. And he's like 17 points. He's, he's obviously huge. You're not going to get that out of him all the time. But he's available like everywhere, really, Vanderbilt. I'd be having a look at him in 14 teams. And I would I would consider Vanderbilt in 12. I wouldn't run to it. I think the upside's relatively low. But I'm encouraged by what we're seeing here. It is, a, it is a big step forward for what he had been providing coming off that heel injury, which uh, slowed down the beginning of his season. And they are all of the games. So let's take a look at the stream of the day recaps. How did we go? Pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. The 10-team stream. Well, this is just easy shit. Alex Caruso. 17, 4, and 6, 2 steals, 2 blocks. It's easy. What are you doing? Add him. The 12-team stream, Dario Saric. Even though he played only 20 minutes, 14, 4, and 5. I said he was a little bit cautious. Is he really actually the 12-team stream? Well, he turned out all right. The 14-team, Ayo Desumu, 18 and 2. One assist, two steals, one block. Absolute huge W as well. The 16-team streamer was Nick Batum. Eh, wasn't great. But 10, 3, and 1 is fine in a 16-team. And then Dario Saric was a Yahoo points. That's 24.3. And your ESPN points was Timothy John McConnell for 26. I think all of those streams worked out relatively successful um, in those individual league types that we're talking about. So the monstrous line of the night. I thought I was going to come in here and be like, yep, it's easy. It's Nikola Jokic. And then so many of these performances in the late games, they were going back and forth, back and forth. And in the end, it goes to DeMar DeRozan who had 32 points, 10 assists, and two steals on unbelievably elite percentages. Your waiver wire line of the night, well, this one, I think, is relatively uh, relatively easy to figure out. It is, of course, your mate, my mate, the pencil Harrison Barnes. Barnesy. 39 points, seven threes, two steals, game-saving block at the end. Just a st- Someone had a stat. I, I want to reference this bloke. He's a uh, basketball monster user. His name's Marash CJ. And he said... He's had 20 field goal attempts in two straight games. Barnes hasn't had two games in a single season with 20 field goal attempts since 2018-19. That's when he was with Dallas. And he hasn't done it in two straight games since 17-18. So when you talk about unbelievable, pulled it out of your ass, hot streaks, that's what this is. Literally unpredictable. Had no way of, never any way of predicting this would happen. This has not happened in years and years and years. And this man has been invisible for the whole season. And Barnes just does shit he hasn't done in, in seven years. Uh, that's sometimes what happens, though, isn't it? The young gun of the night. This man started out the day with some pretty good numbers, um, but some others just overlapped him towards the end. It is Andy Nembhard, Canada legend, 19 points, two rebounds, and eight assists, and your dud of the night, the worst performer of a, the day who is rostered in a uh, majority of leagues, and that is Contavious Caldwell Pope. The ankle bracelet had five points with no other stats. Let's take a look at the top six performers today across the various categories that we do like to dip into. Your top six category league players was number one, DeMar DeRozan. Harrison Barnes coming in at number two. 
Sabonis 3, Jokic 4, Nick Claxton 5, and LeBronald James at number 6. Your top six players rostered in under 50% of leagues. It is Barnes. It, again, streaming, this is an unprecedented hot streak. Nempard, absolutely okay to have him while Halliburton's out. Desumu, absolutely okay to have him while Levine is out. Sharich, probably more 14-team leagues. I think there'll be a lineup shake-up next game. Torian Prince, like, eh, maybe. Jared Vanderbilt, we just spend a bit of time on him. I think he's a nice 14-teamer and maybe even moving into 12-team stream. And then your top six in points today was DeMar DeRozan, followed by Pascal Siakam, Harrison Barnes, LeBron James, Lowry Markkinen, and Anthony Davis. So what are some quick little takeaways we can get out of this? I do think just add Al Horford in case Porzingis is out. I think Cam Thomas is worth a look, given what is happening with that team. And I think Nempard has some value, but there are a lot of other ones there. Like if Kaminga's available, Vanderbilt, maybe we look at that. In terms of drops, I feel okay about dropping Josh Hart. I feel very okay about dropping Cam Johnson as well. Things might change later on, but I think at this point, we can feel all right about moving on from those uh, gentlemen at this point. But, you know, I've given lots of uh, ups and downs and ads and drops all throughout the entirety of this show. And that that will bring us to the end of this program. Thanks again for helping me out with the subscription, the bell, the thumb, and the comments down below. There is, of course, the um, trade deadline show coming up. Go pre-bang, go pre-thumb over there. Guys, we're done. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.